Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 137. My name is CJ Schrader and with me as always my two adorable co-hosts. First off we have Jess Dunks. Hey this is Jess. How are you doing today? And Brian Brilliman. Was that a what, what, that was a tasty what, beverage, is what I heard. That was a heard. tasty beverage, yes, I heard. <laughs> yeah, I was in the middle, I was in the middle of, uh, of, of imbibing my drink here. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then he was like, I have jest. I'm like, oh, crap. I, uh, sorry, I said the same thing yeah. I say every time. Right. So you I know, watched, only... oh, CJ's getting ready to introduce me. Let me make sure that my mouth is full of yeah, my, I was Look, I was preoccupied sort. thinking I was, I'm reading, I'm reading, are you stuff. slurring your words a little bit? No, I'm not. Oh, I mean, I can, could. Can, can you? Would you like me to? Oh, that, would that do it for you? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yes. Uh, hey, <laughs> can I say that? Yes. <laughs> well, you've been suspended for less. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh. funny because it's true. All right. Uh, yeah, it is worth mentioning that uh, although the show is called Judge Cast, me and Brian are not currently judges, nor are we representing ourselves as such. But I mean, I can still judge people and be judgmental. <laughs> yeah. And you're great at it. I am. I'm very opinionated. So, yeah, we have we have I, I am level three just dunks. And as we said, in, I think in the last episode, we have Citizen Schrader and Citizen Prilliman. <laughs> Yes, our our judge status is is undefined, is null. It's the empty set. Uh huh. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. So if you if you, uh, yeah. So and I didn't realize this, but episode one hundred thirty four was our hundredth episode together. I I realized this when somebody was asking me about Judge Cast this weekend, but I didn't realize it when we did that episode. No, that was sad. What do we do oh. for one thirty four? Uh. Something lame. That was like sure. a month ago. Was... I mean, 134 is the last one with all three of us as judges. Is that ironic? <laughs> oh, oh those... well, that's what we did. That's no, what what, 135 was the last one with us all as judges. But 134 was the wonderful thing about triggers. That was actually a pretty good yeah. one. Well, 135, 135 was the one that, that we weren't judges. So 134, we decided we were just going to end it. 100 episodes as judges. <laughs> or... 135 no, no. was emails. Yeah, one, Sorry. 135 was... Uh... It was last episode. No, no, 136, 136 was the last episode. episode. Oh, well, then What's... you... Oh, I see. I'm reading the show notes wrong. Yeah. Yes. So so we, we, the situation we have here is that we haven't done 100 episodes with us as judges. <laughs> oh. That means All right. because of the suspensions, I'm going to hit 100 episodes before you guys do. Uh, <laughs> fair. I don't know. Well, hey, this, this past week, this previous week, I was on... Uh, the mana, uh, the mana pool episode four hundred, and they oh, did nice. a game show, and I, I was a guest, and they may have made fun of me a lot <laughs> in that episode. <laughs> yeah, I should so, give that a listen. What's that? I should give that a listen. You, but you, re- you really should because there was a point where there was like a rules question, and someone called judge, and I started to answer the question, and then they told <laughs> me to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but let's have our show. I don't think anyone cares this much. Uh, this episode is, of course, about the release notes for Oath of the Gatewatch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know why. There's one card that's not even called what you're saying it's called. It's anyway, exactly called what we'll, I'm saying it's called. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, so as people who listen know, if uh, if you want to hear about the new mechanics in Oath of the Gatewatch, I would listen to episode 136. Uh, jump in about 31 minutes because the first half is us talking about suspension stuff. Um. 
So that's where you can find that information. Also, some or all of these pre-releases are going to be two-headed giant. Is that correct? Uh, no. Some. 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 You can do that. They are not yeah. required. They are encouraged to so, do two-headed giant. Episode 81, two-headed giant cats. That's where we really introduced my cats for the first time. Uh, is You realize is, that was that was 50 episodes ago, right? Uh-huh. Which is two years for us. Roughly. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's a long time. It's like yeah. 22 months or something. How many how many years is that in cat years? Three. Really? Two years and I don't know. I just made up a number for well, you. I mean, you have three cats. You should know like how how old they are. And one's been staring at me for 30 minutes, just sitting outside the door. Staring. And that's that's like two hours in cat minutes. OK, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's that's the information we won't be covering on this episode, except for uh, we decided it'd probably be a good idea to talk about colorless mana again, because there's a lot of confusion in the world about colorless mana. Right. Yeah, there is. OK, um, so I think one thing that's confusing here is that people are treating it as if it's a new color and it isn't. It's just it's it's more akin to snow mana, in my opinion, than anything else. But it, it's, it's just it's just a symbol to represent that you must pay colorless mana for this. Right. So like every every card in the past has has either has either expressed uh, uh, if it's talking a cost and it's had like a one in the little circle and it's talking about a cost, it's always been asking about generic mana. And if it's been if it's been like a one in a circle and it's talking about adding mana to your mana pool, it's always been colorless. I mean they've always been talking about two different things. So what's what they're doing now is they were talking about two different things before and but they were using the same symbol. Now they're using a different symbol to talk about the two different things that everything prior to this set works the exact same way as it did before with the minor exception about now uh, because uh, of wastes being a basic land uh, but not a basic land type you can now go search for it with cards that let you go get a basic land but doesn't let you go get it if it, it says search for a card with a specific basic land type right so you can ramp a growth but not far seek yeah. And that's and that's and that's really that's really all it is. Uh, however, n- now they are just using this new symbol uh, to to express costs also uh, in in certain cases. So so one color, uh, one with a circle around it and then one diamond means uh, it costs one colorless mana specifically and then one generic mana, one mana of any color. Who cares what it is? Could be colorless, sure? could be green. I don't care. You sure it's not a rhombus? Uh, what I call it? A diamond? Yeah. It's a parallelogram. It, well, that's true. Absolutely. It is true. It is true. It's absolutely <laughs> a parallelogram. Um, it could be a rhombus. I'm sure it has some sort of specific name for it. If you know the specific name of that shape. And you know how many years are a cat year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Send us an email. Send us an email. Send us an email. At citizencast.gmail.com. Oh. <laughs> All right. It's also worth mentioning that we have Expeditions again in this set. Uh, there, it's a whole new set of cards. I think Wasteland's in there, whatever. Um, <laughs> the point is, those cards, just like the last time, they're not... Oh, I'm sorry. They're only legal in the limited format you're playing. So if you open one in Sealed, you can play it. If you open one in Draft and take it, you can play it. Um, but... Just because Wasteland is in a pack 
uh, does not mean Wasteland is now legal in standard, for example, uh, or Rashad Import, I think, is one. Um, is it? I feel like it. Well, I don't know. It really wouldn't make any sense. Whatever. Uh, I... Well, I mean, they've got. Well, we can go look and see what the as we as we we. I don't. I don't know if the expeditions if they're saying they're from that plane or not, because uh, like Wasteland makes perfect sense, <laughs> but I don't know about others. Probably not. Um, I did, yeah, some, just, I did something to my card gallery. Like it had the expeditions, and then I clicked on something else, and now they're gone. And now I'm sad. It's like real life. Just huh. what? What? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right, so let's start talking about cards, huh? Yay! Let's start talking about cards. So there's a cycle of these oats. Um, there's one for each of four colors, and I'm sure that upsets people greatly that black was left out. Um, we're not going to talk about all four, but I just wanted to hit a few points about each one. So the example one we'll talk about is Oath of Gideon, which is a legendary enchantment. And it says when Oath of Gideon enters the battlefield, put two one one white core ally creature tokens onto the battlefield. And each planeswalker you control enters the battlefield with an additional loyalty counter on it. So what's interesting about these is, A, they're legendary enchantments. I don't think we've seen those in a little while. Um, but it's it's worth reminding that if you have an Oath of Gideon and an Oath of Nyssa, you can have them both out at the same time. You know, you, you're not restricted to one Oath. Um, you know, Legendary only looks at the name. It's also worth mentioning all of these have Enter the Battlefield triggers. Or, I don't think they actually do. I don't think they all do, but some of them do. Um, so if you have an Oath of the Gideon, Oath of Gideon out, not Oath of the Gideon, the ones who leave the Bibles in, in the hotels... <laughs> um, <laughs> if you have an Oath of Gideon out and you play another Oath of Gideon, even if you choose to, to put that second Oath of Gideon into the graveyard, uh, you're still going to get the entrance of the battlefield trigger. So if you just really, really need two one one white core allied creature tokens and you drafted two of these rares, you can pull it off. That's really it for the Oaths. Well, we yeah. zipped through those cards. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the next card we have is... Uh, Bonds of Mortality. So Bonds of Mortality is an enchantment. It costs one in a G. Uh, that's one generic mana, not colorless mana. And uh, it, <laughs> it has a triggered ability that says when Bonds of Mortality enters the battlefield, draw a card. And it has an activated ability that costs one green mana and says creatures your opponents control lose hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. Uh, so if the indestructible creature... Um, if you if you made a creature indestructible, then it loses indestructible through this. If it had damage on it already that would have killed it, it will die because damage doesn't go away because it's indestructible. It just doesn't do anything. Uh, so the next time state based actions are checked, it would die. Um, so let's see. Uh, that only applies to damage equal to its toughness. That doesn't apply to things with death touch having damaged it earlier. So if you if it if a typhoid rats blocked uh, a five five that was indestructible and it killed the typhoid rats and then later it loses its indestructible it only has one damage it doesn't die from the death touch. Um. So let's see. Is there anything else? Um. Oh yeah, stuff can still get hexproof or indestructible after this resolves because of timestamp order, uh, because these effects are in the same layer. But then if they do, you can just pay green again and they, they lose it again. Right. 
yeah, this runs on green energy. Yeah. Yes. I I wish very I, I, I wish they'd print that that gag card. You know, target creature loses hexproof until end of turn. <laughs> or target <laughs> creature and your opponent controls. Or destroy all creatures with protection from white. Oh, yeah, because clearly that would be a white card. Yeah. Oh, wait, that would work. Destroy all creatures. I said the oh, wrong card. That would, oh, would back to work. It's, it's actually destroy. a totally legitimate card. <laughs> destroy all creatures with protection from white, yeah. In fact, it's a card that demonstrates why it works. I yeah. like that card. Yeah, and it probably <laughs> exists in the dark. Just saying. Because that was that was the era of weird things like that. Yeah. Um, all right, so, so the next card... Uh, is really just there because I, I I love this card uh, and I and I hope uh, a lot of people get joy out of this at their pre-releases and various drafts. Uh, the card is Bonesaw. Bonesaw. Uh, Bonesaw is a uh, zero mana artifact equipment. Uh, equipped creature gets plus one plus zero. Has an equipped cost of one. The only really relevant uh, bit of information about this card is Bonesaw was played by Randy Macho Man Savage, rest in peace, uh, <laughs> uh, in the uh, the Spider-Man movies with the with the Sony PlayStation font. Um, not the Amazing Spider-Man with whoever that actor was. That's just that's awful, and not the new Spider-Man movies with that actor who I don't know. I'm talking the Tobey Maguire one, uh, the first one. Uh, uh, yeah, that's it's got bone saw, and he's 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 Randy Macho Man Savage, and you should go watch that, YouTube it and and look at it. And when you play, uh, when you play in limited, and if you play with a bone saw, you need to announce the spell in the Randy the Macho Man voice. Bone saw, and yes, and. If uh, if your significant other is named uh, Elizabeth, you must refer to her as Miss Elizabeth. Okay. Is that, is that going too deep? That went way deep. Yeah, I, I didn't. That, that, that went really deep. That was his. That was Miss Elizabeth was his manager, and like Hulk Hogan, it was also I, th- I believe like Hulk Hogan's love interest for a little while, and there was this 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 WWF because back then that's what it was WWF love triangle thing going on. Welcome and, to Wrestling Trivia Cast with Brian Brilliman. Hey, man. Look, this, these were my formative years. Go ahead and grab the next one, Brian, because I didn't oh, even, okay. I didn't realize you had added a card because that card does something so similar to All what right. the next one does. I yes. thought you were just talking about the same card. Okay, okay. so the next card is Canopy Claws. Canopy Claws. Uh, Captain, oh, Captain's Claws. Captain's Canopy Claws does an entirely different thing and already is a card. It does. It's, it's <laughs> funny how I just... Made it, transpose that word yes captain's claws is for two mana it's an artifact equipment a crypt creature gets plus one plus oh uh but it does something else uh because if it didn't it would just be a really expensive boom but this has an extra ability that says whenever equipped creature attacks put a one one white core ally creature token onto the battlefield tapped and attacking and it has the equip cost of one uh so uh, some neat little things about this, as we tend to say a lot. Um, uh, since you are putting this creature onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking, it doesn't say what you're ta- what it's attacking. And the answer is you get to choose if you want it to be a player. Um, it can be one of them. And if you want it to be a planeswalker that, that you're one of your opponent's controls, it can be one of them also. So you get to choose your favorite. Uh, they do not get to know 
uh, when the trigger gets put on the stack. You're gonna you're gonna choose that when the when the little dude comes into play. You're gonna decide. Uh, the next thing is uh, you're putting the since you're putting the creature onto the battlefield attacking. It did not. It is it is already on the battlefield or it's on the battlefield after uh, anything that triggers um, on whenever this creature attacks or whenever a creature attacks triggers. So it's it is attacking, but it didn't attack. If that follows, so also other cards that might care about uh, uh, creatures that attacked this turn, your core ally uh, uh, did not attack, even though it attacked. Got it? Got it. Bonesaw. Bonesaw. Bonesaw, I got you for three minutes. All right, Cultivator Drone. Three minutes of playtime. Cultivator Drone is a 2-3 with the Void. It says, tap. Add colorless to your mana pool. Spend this in mana only to cast a color spell, activate an ability of a colorless permanent, or pay a cost that contains colorless mana symbol. So, uh, just like we kind of discussed earlier, this doesn't apply to generic mana, right? If something costs one in a green, this can't pay for it, right? Because that's not colorless mana, that's generic mana. And, and, you know, all of a sudden we need to start being very specific on that. Um, so it's only for things that show the C mana symbol, the the diamond, the hexagon, whatever you guys called it. Rhombus. The yes. Rhomb- I, I don't actually know if it's a rhombus. I'm gonna look that up now. <laughs> okay, good. Um, but the uh, the other interesting thing about this card is that last line, the or pay a cost that contains C. I don't think we've seen something like that. And so that's for like triggered abilities that say uh, whenever you cast blah blah, you may pay one in a C. Um, usually there aren't abilities that can ha- kind of help you pay those costs because they're not activated abilities and they're not casting a colorless spell or whatever. Um, but in this case, they tried. They decided to help you out a little bit, and so this can help out um, certain triggered abilities that are asking you specifically to pay a C. That's really it. Next up is just being devoured in oh. flames. Actually, I was being devoured by looking up Rhombus. Hold on. I know. Eh. There will be time. There will be. Yeah, there will. Hold on one second. I killed the tab with the thing I was reading. Oh, my bad. So I didn't mean to. CJ, CJ, uh, as far as the expeditions, you were probably thinking you were probably getting confused with uh, strip mine. Strip mines in there, too. Uh, And I don't know. Strip strip mine or wasteland. Honestly, I when I think about expeditions, I just think about lands from my youth. Hmm. And it was wasteland strip mine. True. And Rashad and Port, where we, you know, be like, in in response to you casting Doomblade, I tap your land, yeah. and now you don't have the mana. That was like solid play back then. Now I just want to be like, these are my old stomping grounds. <laughs> Quite well, I mean, there is stomping grounds, <laughs> right? That's my point. Yes. Anyway, oh, so, I see what you did. Uh so Devoured Flames is the next card we're going to talk about. It costs. Two generic mana and one red mana. It is a sorcery. It says as an additional cost to cast Devour in Flames. Return a land you control to its owner's hand. Devour in Flames deals five damage to target creature or planeswalker. Uh, so returning a land is part of the cost. So you have to do this when you put it on the stack and then it costs. Uh, even if it gets countered, you still had to already return the land. Um, this is a question that might come up often. Uh, similar to that, you can't destroy a land in response to the spell being cast. So if somebody wants to cast a, an instant that destroys a land in response to you casting the spell, it won't stop you and they can't target the land you're returning. Cool. Cool. 
All right. Yeah, it might be worth mentioning. A lot of these cards are very simple, so we don't yes. we don't intend to say too much. This this set has a few of those. Just yes. a few. I mean, we so, featured Bonesaw. 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 <laughs> I mean, yeah, man, come on. Okay, so the next card is Eldrazi Displacer. Eldrazi Displacer is two and a white for a 3-3 three, three Eldrazi. Uh, it's Devoid. This card. Now, is this this is the uh, first white uh, Eldrazi, isn't it? Uh, I don't. Are there uh, other? Are there other ones? There weren't. There weren't any in uh, in Battle for Zendikar. It's a great point. I hadn't thought about it. I don't know. Okay. Uh, so this one has the cool ability. It's a three-three with the void. Uh, that's not the cool ability. Uh, the cool ability is for two and a colorless to see. Uh, uh, exile another target creature, uh, then return it to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control. So, uh, some points here. Uh, if you exile a token, say maybe one of your little Eldrazi Scions, it is gone forever. Uh, you can also target one of your opponent's Eldrazi Scions. Now they can just sacrifice it for a colorless of their own, but if you need to, oh, say, remove a blocker or something like that, it's essentially a kill card uh, for those tokens. Um, the creature will return right away, so basically it's blinking it out. Uh, the creature is going to come back as a brand new object, not affected by any of the effects that it might have had on it. So if it had counters on it, or if it had like a giant growth effect, uh, all of those kind of wear off. Um, it's also returning to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control. So if it's a great way of uh, uh, tapping down a blocker, uh, essentially, so that you can attack past. Uh, any auras are going to fall off the creature uh, because when it comes back into the battlefield, you know, uh, so it's going to leave play. It's going to come back. State-based actions weren't checked in between there, but the aura kind of is kind of like uh, a wily e. Coyote just kind of sitting, hanging out there off the cliff, not attached to anything. And then when state-based actions are checked, it's going to be put into put into the graveyard of state-based actions. Um Let's see here. Uh, you can counter spells this way. If if they try and kill one of your dudes, you can exile another creature. So you can't save this guy, but you can save something else. Uh, and that's probably all. First strike. Say. First strike shenanigans. Uh, Comes back in the battlefield tab. It's removed from combat, man. I mean, you could have yeah, it yeah, do you know, the you damage. Attack, you have a deal. It's first strike damage, and then you remove something from combat so it doesn't die. Ah, so it doesn't die. Oh, look at that. Clever. Look at you. All right, let's it's talk about the Endbringer. I, I think this card will be sweet into HG because of First Strike Shenanigans. Because <laughs> you in exile your, your teammates' stuff. Yeah. Oh, is there a lot of First Strike in this set? No, but... Well, I mean, I actually don't know, but... I mean, uh, if they mind control your creature, you could grab it back. Yeah, that's the other thing. It returns it back to the battlefield under the under the owner's, owner's control. Mm -hmm. That's uh, true. So you can't do the, the weird, like... Sales conscripts, momentary blinking thing. Yeah. Actually, momentary yeah. blink does that too, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway. Anyway, Inbringa is another Eldrazi. A lot of Eldrazi in this set for some reason. It will end you. Yeah, it will. Well, I mean, there's so, twice as many Eldrazis now, right? Because well, before, I mean, before there was just uh, there was just Ulamog, and now there's Kozilek also. It should only be two-thirds as many as Rise of the Eldrazi. All right. Hey, just, <laughs> it's a 5-5, five, 5-5 five, five and a C. 
Uh, untap end ringer during each other player's untap step. Tap end ringer deals one damage to target creature or player. C T tap target creature can't attack or block this turn. C C tap draw a card. Um, the only ability I really want to talk about there is the first one, which is that untap end bringer during each other player's untap step. Just want to point out that is not a trigger. You uh, can't try to kill it in some way or or whatever. It's going to untap just like if your opponent controls end bringer, it's untapping at the same moment all your lands are untapping. There's not going to be a window there where your lands are untapped and you could try to kill it. Um, it untaps at the exact same time. We can tell it's not a trigger because it doesn't say when, whenever, or at. But what if what if I untap my lands? Uh, untap uh they untap their lands and then i untap my my guy they they did theirs first fine because in reality it's all happening simultaneously <laughs> okay i know but what if what <laughs> if jess you get the weird burn spells i'm okay with that <laughs> weird spurned weird burn spells are my jam i like this one um so fall of the titans um huh i like i like with this spell that's a play on words um so <laughs> Fall of the Titans is an instant that costs X, X, and red. Uh, it's got a surge cost of X and red, and you may pay. You may cast the spell for a surge cost if you or a teammate has cast another spell this turn, and you may pay its surge cost to cast it in that case. So uh, Fall of the Titans deals X damage to each of up to two target creatures and or players. So you can choose one target, and but it will still only deal X damage. It won't deal twice as much. Um, but you can also choose two, and it will deal X damage. It will not deal half as much. So it's the same no matter how many targets you choose, unlike other spells we've seen of this kind in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are playing against a single opponent, you cannot do damage to a Planeswalker and a player at the same time with this. If you're in a two-headed giant game, of course, you can deal damage to a player and a Planeswalker controlled by the other opponent if you target that opponent and then redirect the damage. Uh, in a two-headed giant game, you can deal damage uh, to two different players and do twice as much damage. Uh, sort of. <laughs> Basically, because they share a life total, if I do 5 damage to this player and 5 damage to that player, I've done 10 damage total. Sure. Um, the converted mana cost of the spell is always going to be XX red, even if you paid the surge cost, uh, because the converted mana cost um, is going to be the, the, the XX red and X is determined. Once X is determined on a card, it's the same everywhere else on the card, whether you paid the cost or not. All right. Uh, so this 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 next card is Gift of Tusks. Yeah, doesn't sound like a gift. No, it really doesn't. It's like, hey man, I heard you <laughs> like tusks. Um, here's here's some tusks. So this is uh, this is an instant for for blue. Um, it says until the end of turn. Oh, I like this card. Uh, until the end of turn, target creature loses all abilities and becomes a green elephant with base power and toughness. Uh, with base power and toughness, three three. So this is this is the the classic uh, uh, almost pongify type card, but instead of sacrificing the creature and they get a a two two token or a three three token, this just until the end of turn becomes the thing. So I guess uh. Uh, turn to frog, or uh, uh, what's the what's the what's the turn to frog similar one? Uh, trying to remember. Diminish? No, no, not we'll diminish. Just say, um, we'll just snake say form. 
snake form. We'll just oh say yeah, turn, yeah yeah. We'll just say so, turn to frog. So gift of tusk. So it's similar to that. It's it's more closer to that than to pongify because pongify. Yeah, because is... pongify doesn't interact with other continuous effects already in the object yeah, does. Yeah. But it's it's kind of it's kind of neat because it becomes it becomes a three three dude. So this is going to be one of the classic uh, uh, when a judge comes up to you and is like, "Hey, want to learn the layers? I got gift of tusks and other effects." Hmm. Um, so what's going to happen here is the target creature. So yes, you do have to you have to do targeted creature. It's going to lose all abilities. Um, uh, it's going to lose all of its its creature subtypes but gain elephant uh because it's not uh it's not saying it becomes an elephant in addition to its other types so your change uh your changeling uh no nope change changeling is a it's a characteristic defining ability so it is a characteristic yeah they do it's a shapeshifter it's It's type type is shapeshifter not changeling Correct. It's going to uh, so it's going to well, it is going to because changeling is going to be applied first. It's going to gain all the creature types, and then it's going to just become an elephant. Well, it loses all abilities, which includes changeling. Well, that happens after the CDA is already applied. Right. The CDA. The the. Oh, I see. You're, I see what you're saying. It's yeah, it's still going to be an elephant. Right, 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 right. Right. Um. So. Uh, so yeah. So you're gonna get. You're basically you're gonna get an elephant. Uh. And. Let's see here. It's base power and toughness. It's going to change. So counters, giant growths, those effects are still going to happen. Power and toughness switching, sure. Um, but this is applied after, uh, you know, power and toughness CDAs. So things like Tarmogoyfs are going to become three threes. Yay. Green elephant. Cool. Let's talk about the Garblin. Garblin Dark Dwellers. The what? Garblin Dark Dwellers. It's got menace. And it says, when Goblin Dark Dwellers enters the battlefield, you may cast target instant or sorcery card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. If that card will be put into your graveyard, this turn exile instead. So one thing to note here is you have to cast the card while this ability is resolving. It's not one of those where you have until the end of your turn or whatever to cast it. Um, you need to cast it while this ability is resolving. Uh, if the card has X in its cost, X has to be zero. So I rec- wouldn't recommend doing that. And this works very poorly with cards with Awaken or Surge, because so some, some Surge cards are just cheaper Surge costs, but other ones have abilities that happen when you Surge it. Um, you cannot Awaken or Surge because this is already letting you cast it for an alternate cost, which is without paying its mana cost. So you can't use the separate alternate cost of Awaken or Surge. I'm really excited about this card, and, and uh, or not this card, but uh, sorry. When you were talking about Awakened Lands, it reminded me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really excited about turning my Awakened Lands into 3-3 Elephants. Yeah, because they get bigger. Because they get bigger. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right, Jess. Hissing Quagmire. Yes. How does that work? They're just like, well, I don't know. Giggity. Like Giggity. Uh, Giggity. <laughs> uh, Hissing Quagmire enters the battlefield tapped. It is a land. Uh, it has two abilities. One of them, you tap it and add black or green to your mana pool. And the other one, you pay one generic mana, one black and one green. And Hissing Quagmire becomes a 2-2 black and green elemental creature with death touch until end of turn. It will still be a land. Um, this is uh, what we traditionally call a man land. Um, or creature land, as some people say. And 
uh, the awaken is in the set. So if you awaken this after it's activated, then that that uh, it's awkward because it makes it a zero zero and then puts counters on it. Yeah, awaken is not in this set, but it is. You know, I, I imagine most people will be playing this with Zendikar. So right, I'm sorry, it's in this block. I yeah, meant to say block. Oh, okay. Um, and maybe uh, because you're going to get. Unless they changed the form, did they change it so you don't get Battle for Zendikar in the pre-release? No, you do. Yeah, okay. You do. So yeah, so there people will still be playing with Awaken. Um, and so, but Awakening at first and then activating it is going to be great because it becomes a 2-2 plus the counters and you just wreck people with it. It'll be sweet. Uh, it has Death Touch too, which is awesome. Um, it's still affected by summoning sickness, so this is really interesting because if you play it and then activate it, you can't attack with it. In fact, you can't even tap it for mana anymore because it's a creature that you haven't controlled since the beginning of your upkeep. Yeah. That is a quagmire. That is a quagmire. You know, one thing uh, I want to mention, because every time I think about these lands, I'm like, oh, these work great with um, cards that care about colorless creatures. But they don't because all these lands, when they animate, they actually give a color. Uh, now, Awaken talk. works great with uh, anything that cares about colorless creatures because mm-hmm. Awaken doesn't give a color. Right. But all these creature lands, man lands, uh, they always grant a color. So it's always my first reaction is that they'll stay colorless. But no, it always makes them the two colors that it generates. Right, right, right. Uh, that, that's in keeping with the World Wake lands from the last Endicar block. Mm-hmm. I think it makes sense. I mean, I, I'm okay with it. I'm just always looking for the sweet plays. Always looking for the sweet plays. You know. All right, Brian, you hold out. Oh, hold out settlement. Huh. <laughs> Good advice. Um, <laughs> it's it's a, a holdout settlement is a land. Uh, you can tap to add a colorless to your mana pool. Dime, a rhombus. Jess, did you figure out what that actual shape is called? Uh, uh, well, no, because I had to go back to this page. Hold on, let me let me look oh. at the that picture okay. of the stupid okay. thing. Okay, well, uh, I'll, I'll just, uh, we'll just keep the show rolling. Uh, you, you can we can talk about it on the next card. Uh, so. Uh, not only can you tap to add a squishy diamond to your mana pool, mm-hmm. uh, you can tap, comma, tap an untapped creature you control, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Now, what's interesting here, a few things. Uh, one, uh, since you're adding one mana of any color to your mana pool, that's not colorless. So if you want to add a colorless mana to your mana pool, you're going to need to use the first ability, uh, which you might ask yourself, well, why, do I want, why would I want to tap an extra dude also i don't know you're a rules nerd you you're thinking of something uh but you can't um one of the other neat things is because you are here as part of the cost it says tap an untapped creature you control you can actually tap a creature that you just played a creature that is as the kids call it these days summoning sick okay that's because the specific rule for summoning sickness, and I'm doing air quotes, is is you cannot tap a creature uh, uh, that has the tap symbol in its activation cost. Didn't uh, they always? Didn't they yeah. always call it summoning sickness? Uh, they did. Wait, I mean, that's that's even way, way, way back. Um, like I remember in revised and like antiquities and stuff like that, calling it the creature summoning sick. It might have even been in the rule book. Um, but, uh, yeah, and then cards before Haste came out said it can attack as though it didn't have summoning sickness. So we were like, right. wow, that's the coolest thing ever. It's like <laughs> getting it a whole turn early. Um, 
Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, you can tap a summoning sick creature just like Cohort, which if you want to learn more about Cohort, you can go listen to our previous episode because we talked about it. Yeah. Yay. All right. And because that card was lame and because you asked for it, please handle the next card. You asked for it. I got you for three minutes. No. Uh, the next card is Kozilek, the Great Distortion. Its Ooh. mana cost is eight colorless, colorless. Just did we find out what that symbol was called? Well, it could be a raw mist, but the sides aren't actually straight, so they're not parallel. They can't be parallel because they're not straight. So I have no idea what that what, what that's called. It's not technically a diamond either. Hedron. It's a hedron. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because he drawn them all over the place, but I don't know what it is. You. All right, what's Kozak do? I don't even I... want to say anywhere. That joke was awful, Jess. <laughs> All right. It's a it's a legendary creature, Eldrazi, uh, 12-12. How big was Kozilek last time? Was he also, was he 12-12, 10-10? I have no idea. I know, I don't, I don't know. Anyway. Like, I think All he, of those he was titans 10-10. were Pretty sure so he's... big that it just didn't matter. Yeah, he, he was 10-10. He was 10-10? He was uh, wasn't he? I thought he was a 10-10. I know he lets you draw cards. He was a 12-12 for 10 mana. Oh, cool. Oh, that's right. He costs 10 mana. He's, he's back. He was better. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So he is Kozilek the Great. The Great Distortion um, has a uh, has a few abilities. Uh, the first ability is when you cast Kozilek the Great Distortion, comma, if you have fewer than seven cards in your hand, comma, draw cards equal to the difference. So, few few things to note here about this about this first trigger is it's when you cast Kozilek, not when Kozilek resolves. So it is not an enters the battlefield trigger. It is when it goes onto the stack. Okay, you are casting Kozilek. The second thing is, uh, it's got this this what's called an intervening if clause, which means it has to be true. The the clause, if you have fewer than seven cards in your hand, has to be true both when the trigger goes on the stack and when the trigger resolves. So if you draw um, eight cards and you cast this guy, you have seven cards in your hand. It doesn't matter if you're able to quick cast them instance to get down below. Uh, This thing didn't trigger. So make sure that you have a seven or fewer cards in your hand when you cast him. Preferably uh, one or fewer card. Well, I don't know how you, how you get the point. You're, Preferably you, one or fewer. Again, rules nerds, you'll figure out ways to cast this from somewhere other than your hand. Okay. So, um, so it's also important to note that that ability um, to draw cards equal to the difference determines the difference when the ability resolves, not when you, not when it triggers. Right. So if, if somehow you it is the last card in your hand, so you cast it, you now have zero cards in your hand, and while it is on the stack and while the trigger is on the stack, you somehow draw a bunch of cards from something else. Uh, when this ability resolves, it's going to say, well, how many you got? Okay, we got to make up the difference up to seven. Right. All right. Uh, it also has Menace. Uh, menace is uh, an ability that basically says a creature with Menace can't be blocked except by two or more creatures, so no chump blocking. Ain't nobody gonna chump block Kozilek. I love how this uh, implies that any creature, any other creature that's twelve twelve, just isn't menacing. <laughs> well, like, I mean, Emrakul, just not that menacing. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah that's un- that's unfortunate. But Kozilek, the Great Distortion, 
uh, he must be uh, what's what's that movie? Don't be a don't be a menace in South Central while drinking your drinking juice, juice in the hood. while drinking your juice in the hood. I have That's... no idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> really? It's a fine film. It is. It's 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 cinema at its finest. It sounds like it sounds like an Oscar award winner. Yeah, I mean it. It might have. Um, it's no Mad Max Fury Road, but <laughs> well, that game. So, so the last the last ability. Um, discard a card with converted mana cost X. Counter target spell with converted mana cost X. So the reminder here is that the converted mana cost uh, never changes. So it's always what's printed up there in the in the card. Uh, and X is always zero because it's like- it's not a spell on the stack. So it is it's you're discarding. If you discard a card which uh, what is uh, uh, a card with its casting cost is just X. It's zero. Uh, I, I like to point out that this is different from other cards that have been templated similarly, such as Disrupting Shoal, in that they let you discard any card with a given quality, such as blue, I think, for Disrupting Shoal. But uh, but it only counters the spell if the card matches the converted mana cost. In this case, you have to use one that converts. That, oh, that's, that a, that's a good point. Cost. That's a good point. So, so you can't just discard any card and say, right. "Oh, well, it just whiffs." Right. But this one specifically is: if there's a card with a converted mana cost of three on the stack, the only card you can discard is a card with a converted mana cost three. Exactly. Cool. And there has to be a spell on the stack for you to target. You can't just decide to discard and and have the ability whiff. Right. I think this is important for this ability because otherwise you'd have a way to like cast a spell and then dump your hand to not counter it. Hmm. Yep. Yep. Makes sense. All right, we're ready for the mirror pool. Uh, well, you, you should be. I am. Okay. Well, All right, it's a land. Boat saw is ready. And it enters the battlefield <laughs> tap. Are you ready? Uh, tap to add C to your mana pool. Two in the C, tap, sacrifice mirror pool, copy target in center sorcery spell you control. You may choose new targets for the copy. Four in a C, tap, sacrifice mirror pool, put a token on the battlefield that's a copy of target creature you control. So... Everything I'm going to say is basically about copying spells and abilities. If you want a real deep dive on this, look for our very old episode called Do You Copy, which goes into this kind of stuff in detail. But just as a real quick hits for copying uh, spells, um, any cost of X or alternate costs are copied in this when you're copying a spell on the stack. Um, So if someone casts a spell for surge uh, and it gets an additional effect because it was surged, that would be copied. Uh, additional costs are also copied. There just aren't as many because this set doesn't have kicker like old Zendikar. Um, but there are a few for sure. So if if the uh, spell that was cast had any modes chosen for it, so, you know, choose one, do this, uh, the modes will stay the same as well. So you can't choose new modes. You do get the opportunity to change the target if you want to, but you don't have to. You can leave the target alone. And then copying a creature. Um, if there's any hydras out there in the world or any creatures with X in the cost, if you copy a creature with X in the cost, X is going to be zero on the new creature. So generally that works out very poorly, you know, for those cards <laughs> that say uh, this creature just about filled with X plus one plus one counters. Um, it usually doesn't work out. If you copy a creature with X, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this token you're getting, it's always going to be an exact copy of whatever is printed on the card itself, the card you're copying. So if you copy an Awakened Land, because those are my favorite example throughout this FAQ, release notes, excuse me. Um, if you copy an Awakened Land, then what you're going to get is an exact copy of that land. So say it was a Plains. 
an awakened planes, you're just going to get a regular old planes if you try to copy that because you're not copying any effects or anything like that. The one exception is if you're copying something that's already a copy of something else. So I'm just going to go with clone. Um, so if I clone a bear cub and then I use this to make a copy of the cloned bear cub, I get another bear cub. So I'm at triple bear cub at this point. So well, yeah, cause you still got the original bear cub cause nothing yes. kills bear cub. Nothing can kill a bear cub. So I'm at, I mean, I'm at triple, this gives me six bear cubs in my deck at this point. Like I don't even know how I can lose. You can't. <laughs> I can think of a way. <laughs> so, uh, so it's worth noting that enter the battlefield triggers would trigger because you're, you're putting a creature onto the battlefield. Um, but triggers like when you cast would not trigger. Um, and they wouldn't trigger for either one of these these types of copies. Because when you copy um, a creature, you're putting it directly on the battlefield. You're not casting it. When you copy a spell, you're putting it directly on the stack. You are not casting it. Uh, and as a final reminder, both of these abilities only are for things you control. So, you know, at some point, someone, if you're at the pre-release, someone's going to try to copy one of your things. Uh, but you can't do it. Are we ready to move on to the next card? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> with the correct spelling of judgment, I always appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I can't spell judgment to save my life. <laughs> Nissa can. Nissa's judgment costs four generic mana and a green mana. It's a sorcery, and it has support two. Uh, support two means that you can put a plus one, plus one counter on each of up to two target creatures. No, you cannot put two plus one, plus one counters on one target creature. <laughs> Just no. <laughs> Just no. You'll probably get that question. The answer is no. Yeah, I didn't. we didn't mention this when we talked about support, I don't think, but you can put these on your opponent's creatures if you wanted to. Yes. Uh, if you're playing, you know, mixed up with the re- Return to Ravnica block, and they have that, um, what's it called, where you could have it enter with a plus one plus one counter but it can't block the Rakdos mechanic yeah it was, you know, if they uh, have that out there you can make them not block oh, man, oh. I remember what it was called now I just remember that Rakdos Cackler had it yeah and yes. if you played it with the counter it was a Rakdos Attackler and if you played it without <laughs> it was a Rakdos Blockler yes what was that mechanic I don't know oh. that's funny because I tweeted as I as the Rakdos uh, alright and it's devoid. That's what it is. It's devoid. Oh, devoid. It's yeah, that's devoid. right. That's it's right. devoid. I, uh, all right. So. Unleash. There Unleash. Be. There you go. Did you look it up or did you just remember it? I looked it up. Uh, yeah. So this is, uh, this, uh, this has support too. It would be way cooler if this was called Unleash. This, this is a great mechanic for Unleash. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it, what it does is it choose, you choose up to one target creature an opponent controls. That's an awkward phrasing, but choose it to one target creature an opponent controls. Each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it deals damage equal to its power to that creature. It's like this card has synergy with itself. <laughs> um, so now normally, well actually in all cases, if a spell has a target and all of its targets are gone or illegal in some way, the spell doesn't resolve anymore. Uh, but in this case, if you support two creatures, those are targets too. So you have more than one target and the spell will not be countered. Um, let's see. Yeah, so. And since they're not fighting, do we get some awkward fun stuff with this if they do make their, their creature an illegal target? Um, I think we do. 
No, we, no. Let me see. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, each creature you control with a plus plus counter on it deals damage equal to its power to that creature. We do, actually. No, they, they fixed all that stuff. Did they fix that? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, we can't do anything to illegal targets. Uh, well, the spell can't, but the creatures could. No, it doesn't. I don't think it does that anymore. It doesn't? Uh, there was a time when I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure there was a time when that worked. It, yeah, but it doesn't now. All right. Fine. Like, yeah. I know you guys spent more time studying the set than I have. Probably fixing that is why it's how they can print cards like this. <laughs> Jackass. Oh, oh. oh, I get it. Write the time, CJ. <laughs> oh, whatever. We've said that before. Oh, yeah. We, okay. I don't think you've called me that before. It's on PG-13. Yeah, keep it PG-13. <laughs> oh, okay. Jeez. What's, are we done yeah, with that one? That's really it, yeah. yeah let's that's talk all about. really interesting about that card. And it touches on support, too, so we needed to do that. Yeah. Let's okay. talk about possibly the only interesting card. Uh, yeah, so the next card, this is Reflector Mage. It is one generic white and a color oh, sorry not a colorless that's a blue mana for a 2-3 human wizard uh, when reflector mage enters the battlefield return target creature and opponent controls to its owner's hand uh, that creature's owner can't cast spells with the same name of that creature until your next turn now here's Something that's 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 kind of weird uh, about this about this card is you're returning the target creature an opponent controls to its owner's hand, and then the owner, the creature's owner, is the one that can't cast spells with the same name. So, especially in a in two-headed giant, somehow that might not actually be the same person. But in most duels, it's gonna be it's gonna be the uh, it's gonna be the same person unless they took your thing, and then you're the one that can't do it. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, this this does not stop you playing lands. It's talking about casting spells. So if somehow they have a land creature, uh, creature land, a creature land, uh, then uh, they're going to be able to play that land right back. So their swamp, their waste, whatever, because uh, they are played not cast. Now here's a here's a weird thing. Uh, sometimes the name of the creature that was returned doesn't match the name of the card in the hand. So uh, obviously when we were talking about clones and bear cubs, uh, the creature is the creature on the battlefield is named bear cub. However, in your hand, it's a clone. So you can do that all day. Uh, so another example is uh, the backside of a double faced card. Uh, so if you, if you, if you, name that card uh, or you return that creature it's got it's got a name but when you're casting it it's going to be the the day side or whatever they call the the, the front face and the back face look man it's, it's the not day that side. hard we're going back to innistrad it's day side day side day side day side it's got a little sun and then the moon on the back come on now um you can cast those again now um, if the card, uh, if it's a face-down creature, um, it doesn't have a name. Uh, it's 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 much like uh, my judge level right now. Uh, it doesn't exist uh, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, <laughs> your your judge level's been phased out. I know my, my judge level's <laughs> phased out. Um, so further morphs can be cast because because no name. <laughs> is not the same as no name. 
That what did you write here? They're not the same. I know it's it's it's. Oh, sorry. It's no not, name is not equal to no name. Yeah. That's not equal. That's common yeah. developer. Okay, I I realize that it's what <laughs> what it is is it's saying it's saying if two things it's it's a null name. You can't. It's like null does not equal null. Yes. Okay. So if its name was like underscore or something or blank, but but this is actually it doesn't have a name, so that doesn't match with anything. So it's the same thing here. So you can, if they bounce a morph, uh, you can, uh, you can still play other morphs. Now, one of the neat things about this um, is they can't cast spells with that same name until your next turn. So if you bounce the creature on your turn, so because obviously you're playing a creature, you're not flashing it in, and you bounce their guy, and then you pass the turn, they can't cast it on their turn. They gotta wait until your turn again. So you do actually remove it for a. F it's it's better than just casting it to remove a blocker for a single combat. You strain it in their hand for a full turn, unless it's a clone of a bear cub, and then they're gonna clone that bear cub again because they're running a deck with six. We said we said six bear cubs. Yeah, upwards of six. six. Six bear cubs. Yeah. Yeah. They got lots of bear cubs. Yeah, doing good. All right. All right. Stoneforge Masterworks. I.e. Coat of Arms Jr. It's a one mana equipment. It says equipped creature gets plus one plus one for each other creature you control that shares a creature type with it and has an equipped cost of two. So, uh, one thing to note is say you have two elf druids and you equip this onto one of them, your elf druid isn't going to get plus two plus two, it's going to get plus one plus one. So, this card is counting the number of creatures that share a type with your creature, not the number of types that are shared. It's a subtle difference, but there is a difference there. Um, so if you have a goblin warrior, a goblin shaman... Your changeling deck would be amazing. Yeah, your changeling deck's going to do very well, because all the changelings uh, share creature types with each other. No, I'm saying if, if it was, if it did count the number of shared... Oh! <laughs> changeling just one other changeling, and it'd be like, what, 200 right. or whatever, who right. knows? Big, big. Um, and it still wouldn't have menace. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's really it. Um, one thing to mention is Awakened Lands do have the creature type of Elemental, and so do all of the Man Lands. I don't know if that's something you'd really want to do, but it's there for you. If you've got all your lands Awakened, you can put this on. What's next? Yeah, I was wondering. A non-equipment version of that card already? Yeah, Coat of Arms. That's what I was... Yeah. yeah. But that does it for all creatures. This is just yeah. the equipped. It's in my Sliver deck, but yes, it does all creatures, including in, your opponents. It's in my Sliver deck, too. Yeah, well, yeah, that and Hearthstone, I mean... Right. Coat of Arms is just just to confuse combat math. That's actually all that card does. <laughs> no, it also paints a bullseye on your face. <laughs> Not if the other person's playing a zombie deck. Ooh. Then they're okay with it. Yeah, they're like, oh, man, zombies got there. I feel like against tribal decks, your, your plan is to just play that, wait for them to take advantage of it, and then blow them out with Nature's Claim. Uh, destroys an artifact. Yeah, okay. you you blow it up mid combat and then then block all their stuff that used to be bigger. Anyway, yeah, I've been uh, wondering about the next card though. Oh, oh fine. Jeez. What, uh, is, what is that? What is? I what don't is know. I've been trying to figure out how to pronounce that. Thus the stalling. We should, we um, should probably have CJ do it because it'll be good. Yeah. For what is? How do you pronounce that, CJ? It's a wandering fumarole. It's a fumarole. Yeah. Fumarole. Sorry, that's an easy one. It's no porculus. Is it's a Fumarole? Fumarole. I, I wouldn't have pronounced it fumarole. I would have called how it. Do you, how do you bake fumaroles? 
in a few months. And <laughs> what? Uh, All right, so it's a uh, it's a land. Uh, oh wow, this is a real word. Yeah. Is it? What does it mean? Uh, it means a place that's like hot and water. Hey, it's it's it an under it's like an underwater geyser. Ultimately, ultimately, from the Latin of fumus, meaning smoke. It is uh -huh. an opening in the planet's crust, often in the neighborhood of volcanoes, which emits steam and gases such as carbon dioxide, sulfur dioxide, hydrogen chloride, and hydrogen sulfide. The steam forms when superheated water vapor, as its pressure, uh, when superheated water vaporizes, as its pressure drops when it emerges from the ground. The name sulfatra, from the Italian sulfo, sulfur, is given to fumaroles that emit sulfurous gases. I'm not going to read the rest of it. Wow, this is, I know what I'm doing tonight. Wikipedia on fum fumaroles. Do you remember that time you went too deep? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> again. That's all right. Um, so this is a land. It enters the battlefield tapped. Uh, it can be tapped to add blue or red mana to your mana pool. Um, and you can pay two generic mana and a blue mana and a red mana. Uh, and until end of turn, Wandering Fumarol becomes a 1-4 blue and red elemental creature with pay zero mana, switch this creature's power and toughness until end of turn. It is still a land, and before you ask, no, you cannot just activate this ability over and over again and draw the game. Uh, you have to end at some point. If you try, your opponent will be fume... fume... Ah, never mind. I tried, it failed. I admit it. <laughs> uh, so in layers, you apply the switching... Uh, of power and toughness last after you apply everything else. So there's never going to be an advantage to like when you switch it back and forth a bunch of times and casting spells in between. You just calculate all of the things affecting its power and toughness uh, to this point and then switch those things and that's its power and toughness after it's switched. Um, so for example, if you switch its power and toughness and make it a 4-1 and then you give everything plus two plus zero oh until end of turn. This will actually be a four three because it gets the plus two plus zero oh first to make it a three four. And then you apply the switching effect. We don't care about timestamp because these are in different sub layers of the power and toughness layer. Um. Uh. Yeah. So, so I was trying to get to some awkwardness with this card and 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 pinging it. Yeah. What'd you come up with? All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll handle it. Um, so if you animate this, and then you you go ahead and activate the switch its power and toughness, and someone pings it in a response, you basically can't save it at that point. Um, the the point there is, you know, you might be thinking in your head, well, I'll just swap it again in response to the ping. But if you do that, um, you swap it again in response to the ping, it becomes a... So it's a 1-4, it'll become a 4-1, then the ping will do one damage to it, and it'll die before the first swap ever happens. Um, the other option is you do nothing, and then you have it swap, and it dies because it's a 4-1 with one damage on it. Um, so this thing's kind of awkward. So basically, uh, I just want to mention, like, if you're trying to kill this thing, you should damage it in response to its ability. And if you're trying to make sure it's going to live, uh, then you should try to get the ability to resolve... And then you have a little bit of safety to swap back because once the ability is resolved, they could try to kill it uh, through damage and you have the option to swap it again. So 
It's a little weird. What? Well, I mean, what? if if it's a if it's a if it's a one four and they hit it for one point of damage, you definitely don't want to swap. No, at that point, you no longer want to swap. Yeah, just you got to be careful with that kind of stuff. You, yeah, if you activate this at the wrong time, it just rolls over, and plays dead. Yeah, if Fumer rolls over, <laughs> but otherwise, this card is gas. Yeah, I get it. Now, now, what would be really funny is if this wandering fumer roll, like if you also attacked with it, if it disappeared for a turn and came back uh, a turn later, tapped on attacking, like another wandering. Could be. Yeah. Be. I don't. I don't know if this card's going to see too much play, although it could be a niche role player. Oh my gosh. <laughs> are, wow. we, are, are we wandering off topic there? Fill the roll. It does fill the roll. <laughs> wandering off topic. Give me a second. <laughs> It's the last. It's the last card we got. Yeah, that's it. That's. I it. think those jokes are tapped out. Yeah, they're tapped. All right. As for news, let's try to switch it up a little. Um, we don't have any really news to talk about. Uh, for people who are interested, uh, by the the time we have our next episode, we should have our appeal information in. What are we going on? Three and a half weeks? Four weeks? We're at uh, twenty three days today. Three days. As of, re- as of this recording. That's uh, that seems excessive. Okay. All right. We don't need to get into Sascast. All right. Oh, man. I'm all about some Sascast. <laughs> yeah. That's for the Patreon subscribers. All right. Um, Jokes. No emails, obviously, because we're, we're, we're about an hour in. Uh, so if you want to contact us, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com or like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash judgecast, or follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash judgecast. You know, all the judgecast stuff. Oh, the cat. Yeah, the cat. He's hungry. He's, he's, he's how many how many how many meows is that in cat meows? <laughs> Seven. It's a surge of meows. Yeah, it is a surge of meows. He's getting no support over there. Uh, it just sounds like you're I not mean, a very good ally. Yeah, his cat cohorts are not even helping him meow. Like he has to handle it himself. Bitty kitty, the great disruption. <laughs> <laughs> she is. <laughs> All right. My name is Shirt. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman, and I got you for three minutes. Three minutes of playtime. Oh, yeah. Don't tell McGraw. Yes, we, we know. All right. I think we got it by now. Okay. Hey, JudgeCast fans. So, right after we record this episode, well, a day later, uh, we got some good news. Uh, it turns out that Brian and I are no longer suspended and uh, there is an article on the mothership now about everything behind that so as promised we will talk about that in the next episode so a little something to look forward to uh hope everyone has a great time with their pre-releases but we figured this episode sounds kind of awkward with all the suspension jokes for all the people who know we aren't suspended so more information on that to come thanks for being a fan